Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, me and Stephanie Goss go into the mailbag this week. We got a super good episode about a good team that just can't, they can't make the bridge to let a new person walk across it and become one of them. For whatever reason, they, uh, even though they're happy and they have a good culture, they are not uh, gelling with uh, outside people coming in and joining the team. And so they have this turnover right at the very beginning. They're not keeping new people uh, in their team and in their culture. So Stephanie Goss get into, uh, and I get into that. It's going to be super fun. Guys, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Why can't we be friends, gods? <laughs> How's it going, Andy? Man, it's so, so good. How are you doing? Um, I'm real good. The sun is actually shining in Washington for the first time in days. So yeah. um, it's, a pre- it's a pretty good day. <laughs> I I went for a hike today. Uh, this morning, it was supposed to be high of uh, 65 today. Nice. And so I got up and I had some time this morning. And I leashed up my dog and went over to Paris Mountain State Park and went hiking. And um, he was good. And it was wonderful to be out there. And um, it was funny. I got to use uh, his badness as passive aggression against other people. Uh, so <laughs> I was on the trail. And these people came. And they had a dog who was off leash. Oh, yeah. And, and their dog came <laughs> they came running up. And then they come up and they leash the dog. And they're like, oh, sorry. He, but he's a really good dog. And I said, he is a very good dog. My dog is not. Uh, you know. You're like, I have a very bad dog. I have a very bad dog. Um, which is why maybe your dog should be on a leash. Um, but uh, that's as I said, that was my passive aggression for the day. And, and let's be honest, I only feel that way because my dog was on a leash and I'm like, damn it, why is your dog not? Like, if, I, if it was cool to not have our dogs on a leash, then I want my dog not on a leash. Right? But no, it's like, if I'm going to follow these rules, I'm going to passive aggressive shame you if you don't follow them. Oh man. Well, um, speaking about, speaking of being a little bit passive aggressive, mm-hmm. um, we have a good one from the mailbag this week. Well, you don't me. What do, what do we got? So uh, we have a team who said that they uh, it's time to hire and we should be excited about adding to our talented team. But in all honesty, we're dragging our feet. Our team culture seems very strong until we bring in a new hire. The bulk of our team has been working together for five or uh, more years. We have our hiccups as any team does, but overall we feel like we have a really good culture There's lots of laughter and camaraderie. The team has discussed why they need to hire, but it feels like the team as a whole is very reluctant to do so. um, It's very reluctant every time they have to hire somebody. So they said when they have a successful hire, they tend to be more introverted. um, And that's part of why they blend with the team. Outspoken individuals seem to get less support from the team overall. Is it possible that the team is feeling challenged or even insecure um, because of confident new team members? We want to convey that adding new hires is a positive thing. So how do we get everyone to want the new hires to succeed? And how can we help the new hires feel less like outsiders? Yes, yes, yes. So this is uh, this is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen this. Uh, I've seen this for two different reasons. Um 
There's two different reasons. Number one, a lot of times we see this and people say something similar to this to me. Uh, and the reason is because high functioning teams tend to self-regulate, right? Mm-hmm. Which means if you have a high functioning team and you bring in someone who's not up to par, a lot of times the team will reject that person. You right. know what I mean? Like they're, they're, they're playing, you know, they're playing at uh, an NBA level and you bring in a high school player and it's like, here's the sure. new person on the team. They're not going to pass that person the ball. Yeah. Um, and that, and I, I have a hundred percent, I have a hundred percent seen, seen that. So, um, high functioning teams, uh, tend to self-regulate that way. I have seen fit, uh, you know, fit differences. I think that yeah. there's, uh, the, the extrovert introvert thing. And this is a little bit different from the mailbag because it sounds like they're not necessarily extrovert or introverted because there's a lot of laughter and, and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I have, I have worked at a practice where everyone is very quiet and introverted and the practice owner is quiet and introverted. And I will tell you, I stuck out like a sore thumb, as you can imagine. (laughs) I think everyone was exhausted at the end of the day and ready for me to leave. Um, You know, and, and and that's just, this is the way it is. And um, uh, yeah. And the, the, the boisterous people who'd come in didn't tend to last all that long there. And that is sort of a cultural thing. Um, so, so I have, I have hundred percent seen that as far as communication, just, Hey, we're a quiet, we're a quiet buttoned up group who, you know, who some church mice that get the work done and, right. and we're not, we're not looking for somebody to come in and, and, and make drama. That's not what we want. So, so I have hundred percent in that. And the last thing I've seen is what we're talking about here where there's a friend group and new people are not in the friend group and they don't really get access to the friend group and then ultimately they feel like no one likes them and yeah. it's awkward and they leave. So those are those are all the different ways I've seen this. Well, and I wonder I wonder if there's somewhere a land between your second example and your third example a little bit cuz for me like when I read this my thought was well they're they're having fun and they're they're laughing and they're getting along. I think even introverts are capable of having a lot of fun. Yeah. But what it, but what it takes is it takes um, feeling comfortable and feeling um, like there's trust for, and safety, right. For them to come out and, and be comfortable. And so I wonder about, you know, if they have a lot of introverts that have been together for five plus years, that's a good amount of time to build up the trust and the comfort to be themselves in a way that they might not, if, if there was a new person present or if, um, you know, if they hadn't known each other all that long. So I think there's probably something, uh, there too about that. But, um, I think, I think, I think you hit two of the three, uh, big ones. So trust and safety. And the last one that I would add there is need, which is, uh, do they think they need another person? Uh-huh. And yep. if they don't see the utility in this person, that right. tends to compound the problem as well. You know, so yeah. um, you'll see that um, with some front versus back stuff. You'll see it sometimes with the CSRs. You'll you'll see people who are like, I don't, I don't know why that person is here. We don't need that person. If right. they don't think that there's a need for the person, then then um, then there's no driving. There's no try. No driving force forward to make this work. Right? Necessity is the mother of invention. A lack of necessity would then be the would be the opposite of that. Even meaning uh, the, a lack of necessity is the is the key ingredient in complacency, which doesn't lead forward in any way, shape, or form. Sure. 
so yeah, so I I I, I wonder about that. I just really want to put that put that forward. All right. Yeah. I got a couple ideas in sort of how how we approach this. Do you have do you have opening thoughts on headspace? Yeah. So I mean, I think I think we have to start where we always start, right? Which is like how how do how do we get into this? Where do we put our heads? And I think coming at this from a good place and a good perspective, which it seems like they're trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they have acknowledged that they have discussed as a team why they need to hire. And uh, yet it seems like the team is reluctant to do so. And and so I think coming at it from a place of let's assume good intent, let's assume that the team is not trying to sabotage anybody new. Let's assume that they have reasons for their reluctance. And so for me, I think where I probably would start to tackle it with my manager brain is like trying to dig to the why and ask some of those questions from a place of good intention of like, well, what are you guys afraid of? Yes. Like really, really what, what is, what is their actual concern? Um, Cause it could go a bunch of different ways, right? Like there's a bunch of reasons why they could be concerned about a new person coming on board. But unless we actually kind of have that conversation and dig into the why, I don't think you can decide which path to go down to try and address it because they're all very different. I completely agree with that. I think what you don't do in headspace is just guess Right. And then and let's roll the dice again. Uh, so I right. think I think this management team trying to suss out what the problem is right now before they start a, a search or before they try to bring somebody on. I think that's 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 the answer. You know what I mean? Like I just it's amazing how often people are like, well, let's try something different. And I'm going, OK, that's not that's not that's not the best thing. Right. I, and the truth is you shouldn't assume good intent about your team. They're not trying to hoard all the work for themselves. They're not trying right. to sabotage the business. They want to have good people to work with. They want to be able yeah. to take breaks. They want to be able to see cases faster. Like it's it's in their interest to to get a new employee in and up to speed and in a good way. You can imagine what their concerns are, and um, I think we need to flesh those out because there's a lot of different things they could be afraid of. They're like, oh. If we take a person on, we're not going to get bonuses because we won't have the money or we're going to take this person on and I'm not going to get the schedule I want because they're going to get that schedule or um, I'm not going to get to do the jobs that I want to do because they're going to take those jobs. Uh, you know, or, or I have no idea, but we need to, we need to get to the bottom of that. So none of none of that happens if we're not assuming good intent. Well, and let's just think about your three examples for a second. And this is why you have to you have to get to the bottom of the why because not getting bonuses, not getting the schedule that they want or, or maybe not getting to do all of the tasks that they enjoy doing that they're currently doing. Right. Those are three great examples. The solution to those three things are radically different. (laughs) And so if you are just hallucinating why they might not want someone new to come on board and you're trying to answer that without actually asking them, you could go chasing down a lot of rabbit holes before you hit on maybe the actual reason why, why they're concerned about bringing new people on. And that's a huge waste of time and energy, both physically and, and mentally. Yeah. I, I love this question. And here's why, because, um, because to me it has a very straightforward answer and that straightforward answer is first of all assume good intent and then uh and then come down from the management office and walk amongst the people you know 
It's about coming down to them and saying, guys, let's talk. And I'm not coming with an agenda. I love this conversation now before we even start to hire. So I think a lot of times what happens is we wait until the hiring is not going well and right. there's, you know, and people are sort of on the outside. And now we're trying to have this conversation and figure out what's true and what's not. At this point, this is a thing of beauty because it's 100% a theoretical, low stakes que- uh, question and conversation, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I do love, um, I love, that i think um i think that's a i think it's a great point and i i love especially if you're talking about a team of mostly introverts Mm -hmm. coming at it when it is low stakes is is the easiest time that they can approach it right because the team isn't wound up yet they're not they're not worked up they're not in the middle of trying to have someone that you have hired that they like liked but maybe it's not going well there's no risk factor right. to be able to just say, hey, guys. And and also from a low stakes perspective, I think this provides the opportunity, like you said, to just come down and and be a part of the team and be be on the floor with them. And it it opens up the opportunity to one of the tools that you are so good at using, which is um, which is the mention. But in this case, I would say the ask like, hey, you know, Sarah. I just, I really wanted to get your perspective or your opinion and like talk to them one-on-one and ask Sarah, Hey, you know, the last time we added somebody new to the team, it just didn't really feel like it went great. And I was just wondering if you have any insight to why you think that might be. And just asking them like not accusatory, like, Hey, that, you know, that last person we hired that did not go well. What, what happened, but just, Hey, I connect with you and I really want your opinion and I would really love to know what you think. Making those personal connections drives the stakes down even more for them to feel like their safety to just share because you're not asking them to tattle on anybody. You're not asking them to solve the problem. You're just asking them for their opinion. Yeah. Now, I, that's exactly it, is, is getting those sort of opinions, especially from your influencers. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. people, the people who, you know, other people look up to, I w- I'd like to know what those people think. The The way that I, the way that I would do it, uh, and this is what I said, I think this is so beautiful and it's timing. Uh, I'm going to go to the team and I'm going to, st- I, I think the way you really do this well is you start with a conversation about the need to hire more people, Right. Because mm-hmm. this is this is just starting with why. Um, yep. I'm trying to get them to tell me that we need to hire people. Because if they won't say that, then this is, you know, they're like, nope, we don't need to hire anyone. Then then we have, I know that's a different conversation, right? Yeah. If I have to convince yeah. these people that we need to hire, that is a totally different conversation than how do we onboard someone successfully. It's very much a cart before horse problem. And so mm-hmm. I, I want to make sure I'm not missing any tricks. And so we're going to begin at the very beginning. And mm-hmm. I want to have conversations to make sure that everyone agrees that we would benefit from some help to make our lives go better. And so start, yeah. start with why, start with the need. Let's just talk about the problem. And I am going to put forward the problem. And I am going to ask them if they agree with the problem. I'm going to try to get them to tell me in their own words how this problem affects them. I am going to collect those words so I can use those words back to them later on as sort of reflective listening to make sure that they know 
that I heard what they said and I'm doing mm-hmm. this for them. And mm-hmm. so I'm, all I'm doing right now is, is gathering up the underlying why. But start with that, right? Number one. Number two is to ask them what they think uh, a good onboarding program is. Actually, I would, I would even, I would even, that's even jumping a step. I would even say, what are we looking for in a new hire, guys? Mm-hmm. And have that conversation and let them tell you, well, we want someone who can do this or we want someone who can do that or these are important traits to us. And I'm not saying we'll be able to get that person, but I'm totally open for hearing what they're looking for because yeah. that might help me select or hire someone who's more likely to fit with, with the team and be retained and to integrate well. And so, of mm-hmm. course, I'm going to listen to them. But the other yeah. part of it is they're going through the process of talking about what is important and investing time into this new hire. So before we even get someone, they're investing time into the process of getting this new person, right? Well, and I think one of the things that works so great about having that conversation with them about why do we need to hire and what do they want in a new hire? Like what does what does that what does their ideal candidate look like is getting to talk about um getting to talk about balancing deficiencies. And so if you're talking with them as a team and they're like, well, we, we need someone to help us do this skill set. You may, you may recognize some needs that they, that the existing team can't fill. Like, you know, do you need an LVT and you don't have another person who can, who can step into that role in the practice or, um, you know, how do you have a team of people who are super introverted and being in exam rooms with clients is not their favorite place to be. And so maybe the balance comes from someone who is a little bit more extroverted and a little bit more of a people person. And I think being able to to open their eyes to the fact that teams, really high performing teams have balance and mm-hmm. they have the yin and the yang. Um but starting from a place of what do they want and then helping guide the conversation so that they can also recognize maybe some of their challenges as a team and some of their serious strengths and figure out where does the balance lie, you know, because getting them to open up their minds to that a little bit is not that hard. If you're, if you're asking them, like you said, for their, for their buy-in by asking them, what do you want? Like, what would an ideal person look like to you? Yeah. Um, You're going to, you're going to open up the, the door to having that conversation about balance. And I think that that, that conversation is really an important one to have with them because we know as leaders, one of the best things that we can do is find other people who are strong where we are weak. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I agree with that. There's um, there's two there's well there's two questions here that that I like to put forward, you know, in conversations like this. And so mm-hmm. what I'd like to say to the team is like, hey guys, think about a time that we've brought someone in. Uh, you know what I mean? I know that's been a, a number of years, but uh, think about think about hires we've made in the past that have gone well. Look mm-hmm. around and think about the people here who who thrive. What characteristics do they have? What were the things? Think about when you came to this practice. What mm-hmm. made you stay here? What made you feel welcome? And that's affirmative inquiry, right? I am I am asking them about what worked in the past. I'm not saying, now guys, we have uh, screwed this up three times in a row. <laughs> and we have chased off 
uh, right. new hires. I have heard those exact words. I've heard people be like, guys, we've chased off the last three people and we yeah. need to do it differently this time. Like that, that's not motivating. That's not right. motivating. Right. And so, um, so let's talk about what made you feel welcome here. What did yeah. you like when you came here? What do you wish we would have done differently when you came here? Like what could we have done better when you came? Yep. And you know, and now we're getting to this positive headspace of what what are we good at? And then what could we do that you would have liked? And and mm-hmm. again, I'm I'm just drawing them in. So the first thing that is is very much affirmative in, inquiry. And so I'm going to say this and then uh, I'm going to ask them. So well, you know, what what strengths do we have? What are complementary strengths, right, that that would fill out or round out our team? What do you wish uh, – what are some skills that you wish that we had on the team? Do, what, are, what are we looking for? And so mm-hmm. – uh, and I would go ahead and open that up to them to say, what are the things that we're good at? We want to make sure that we definitely get someone who can do. But another part is, how do we flesh out and become a more well-rounded team? And I just think mm-hmm. that that's, I think that's a good conversation, but that's a very productive, positive way to ask them, um, how, how we find someone who's different than you. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so that we're more mm-hmm. diverse and so that we are a, a better, more round, well-rounded unit. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love what you said about asking them a question of what did, what went well when you, were hired or like, what did you like about your onboarding process? Um, Because pulling out things that maybe you have tried in the past, but that have slipped off the radar. Like if realistically, if most of the team has been together for five plus years, five years is a lot of time Mm -hmm. to remember, like, what did we do really well last time? But for your team, it was personal because it was them it was their it was their onboarding and so they're going to be able to recall details that you as a manager probably won't and so i i love that i love asking them for for their input there well i'm trying to put them in an empathy headlock you know what mm-hmm. i mean like i'm really 100 yeah. percent trying to wrap them up in an empathy spirit that they can't get away from it and force them into empathizing right like that's it <laughs> as i am 100 percent trying to get them in the empathy headlock and just, I'll just, I'll just love Nugium until, until they're like, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, golden rule. I, I got it. it. I got it. <laughs> you know, like that's, that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to do. But I'm trying to get their, their head so over funny. into this open place. Uh, asking for help is powerful. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's just another trick in the toolbox. It, it requires being vulnerable as the leader. It requires going to them and saying, guys, I need your help to find a person and to bring this person in and make them effective and keep them here. And I can't do it mm-hmm. without you guys. Mm-hmm. And that's powerful. Like it, it, uh, it, it is definitely a, a motivator and it does require vulnerability because you're asking them for help. Um, I, I, I have no problem going to that and being honest and saying, I can't do this without you guys. So I love that. Yeah. I, I, I like that one. Ultimately, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to warm them to the idea I'm trying to understand what they think is important. I'm trying to get them to stretch their mind, to empathize with the new person and to think about how they would feel if they were coming in. And so all of those, all of those are steps on the path. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we're going to shift from um, establishing that there's a problem, talking about um, what we're looking for and uh, moving over to how are, how are we going to do this? Like, what is the how? Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So we've talked about totally. the why, we've talked about the who, now it's time for us to talk about the how, right? Yeah. And so that that's very much, again, where I, I want their fingerprints all over this. Like, I'm trying to tie them to this process so it's not some weird goalkeeper metaphor where, you know, they're the goalies and I'm trying to, you know, shoot a new employee past them mm-hmm. into the team. Like, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's super weird. We're, we're all on a team together and we're trying to recruit the right person and integrate them so that our team is better and our culture is as good as it's ever been. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, that's what the headspace I'm trying to get into. And so if I come up with the onboarding plan and I bring it to them and I say, this is what we're going to do, I've accomplished none of that. I agree. Do you feel like this would be a, a good point to take a quick break and then yeah. we can talk about how do we how do we actually implement this and what does some onboarding stuff look like? Love it. Oh man. All right. I am so excited. We have so much good stuff coming up in charted. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, what we've got coming up? Heck yeah. Uh, first things up is my personal branding talk. I'm talking about marketing for uh, veterinarians or people who want to grow their relationships with uh, with pet owners, honestly. So that's uh, that's the big thing. If you have any interest in, uh, in social media and blogging, podcasting, writing, uh, things like that, then this would be a great workshop for you. It is uh, free to our members. It is 99 bucks for the public, which is a super steal. It's two hours. It's on March 28th. And then, Stephanie Goss, we have the big daddy, the April Uncharted Conference. This is the granddaddy of them all. It's our marketing strategy <laughs> conference. This is the one that started them all. It is virtual this year. Mm-hmm. It is going to be all about simplifying and streamlining your communications to do more with what you already have. That is going to be April 22nd through the 25th. Uh, is registration is now open. We will put links for all of this down in the show notes. So excited. Now let's get back to the episode. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start to lay out the program. So we've uh, hopefully sold them on the idea that we need to hire. We have gotten their input on what is important in a hire. And Mm -hmm. if there's anything that they're like, don't, we don't want this, uh, you know, those are those are important flags to, to jot down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I want to, I want to make them feel heard about who they're going to work with because they, they should have some input, you know, there. And, and I definitely want them, their opinions to be, to be heard and recognized and for them to feel validated and appreciated. So we've, we've totally. done that. Uh, I want to tie this onboarding program to them mm-hmm. so that ideally, they, uh, if they get the person onto the team in a positive way, they feel like they won. Yes. And if they, uh, and if they don't get the person onto the team, um, then they, then, then they're disappointed in that. Right. Yep. And of course, yep. sometimes, and we all know, sometimes you hire the wrong person and yep. you go, this is, this was not the right person. And, and that just, that just happens. And so yep. no one, no one should wear this as a badge of honor or, or feel so tied to it that they're not a, that they're not able to cut the cord if this doesn't work out. So I'm not trying to push that far. At the same mm-hmm. time, I want everyone to want this to work. 
Yeah, totally. I think for me, um, where I start with this is especially with a with a team like this that has struggled in the past with getting people on board is really remembering it's really, really hard to make friends with a whole big group all at once. Mm-hmm. But it is not hard to make friends with one person at a time. And so for me, the most successful program it that I have ever used has been establishing some low stakes uh, friends right off the bat and being able to say, this is your trainer Mm -hmm. So that they have one person who they know is going to be responsible for one thing and they're responsible for their training. Um, And then giving them another person to be their, be their buddy, like be the person to answer questions about like, you know, where, where do I put my stuff? Where do I park? Like the, the stuff that's all a part of an onboarding process, but in, in the busyness of the day-to-day of the practice can be really easy to get forgotten about when you have a new new employee who turns up for their first day and it's a crazy busy day and a hit by car has already walked in at nine o'clock when they walk in the door like having someone that they can ask those questions to and like having someone they can have lunch with the first week like just one person especially if you have a bigger team gets super intimidating to think about how do I need to win over a team of 25 people, but it is not as intimidating even for an introvert to think about here's my one person that I'm going to try and connect with this, this week. Right. Yeah. No, I I think that, I think that's exactly it is, is, is trying to break it up into, into limited interaction. Right. Um, So, so multiple pieces of this. So the first one is is some sort of mentorship training relationship. Having mm-hmm. a buddy, having a mentor, and then having them as two different people is great. But mm-hmm. get that one on one time. Get them to work together. I'm trying. I'm trying to get this person a lifeline inside mm-hmm. the practice. If I yep. pick the right person in the practice, especially if I've got someone who is the social person who can essentially serve as the host of the party, you know, who mm-hmm. introduces this person to this person and, and here and, you know, and, 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 and kind of knows how things work. Yep. One person like that can, can make a huge difference as far as getting this person socially integrated into the practice. So I'm definitely mm-hmm. looking for that from a skill teaching onboarding perspective, having a mentor to, to walk them through how to do those things. That's right. critically important. And a lot of times we get pushback. The team goes, well, I don't want to work with this person because they, they can't do anything. Well, they can't do anything because you haven't shown them how to do anything. Or right. e- even if, and we've all seen this uh, sort of a, a snotty thing that happens sometimes is, Somebody worked at a practice where they do things differently. And so our team's like, they don't do it right. Well, they did it. They did it. They do it right for their previous team. And right. we need to bring them up to speed with how we do it here and not not judge them, but just <laughs> work with them to get them where they need to be. So yeah. so those those small like one-on-one, two-on-one interactions, I think I think are really important. So yeah, mentorship is is a big one for me. Well, and I think that's where a lot of us struggle um, with the onboarding and training process for our team is that we try and think of it as this massive job that one person has to undertake or two people like the manager does all of the onboarding and then the person who's the trainer does all of the training. And when that person who is the trainer is also 
um, you know, getting asked to deal with the emergency because they're the LVT. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of times people get left by the wayside because of the craziness of the day to day in our practice. And this is where we really struggle with the hiring or the onboarding process and the training process in, in, as an industry. But if you think about how can I take the process and break it up so that one-on-one multiple people have different pieces that they're responsible for you're accomplishing two you're killing two birds with one stone because you're accomplishing two things at once you're allowing the job to be more bite-sized and manageable for your team so no one person is carrying a huge portion of the load and you're also allowing that new hire to be able to interact and engage on a one-on-one level with more people in a low stakes way. You know, it's like, Hey, I'm going to leave you with Courtney for the next hour and she's going to show you X, Y, and Z. And then I'm going to come back and we're going to go do something else. Like that allows for those smaller one-on-one interactions with more people on your team. Mm -hmm. And it makes the onboarding process go significantly faster because even if it's a crazy busy day, the piece that Courtney's trying to show the new girl is only, you know, 20 minutes of time or 10 minutes of time, not what do I, what do I do with you for the next hour while I still try and do my job at the same time? Yeah. Yeah. I I completely agree. A lot of times we ask people to onboard and then we don't give them any time or resources to do said onboarding. And we wonder Mm -hmm. why it doesn't, uh, why it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I can also see the benefits of, and I'm talking about a robust comprehensive onboarding plan here. But I do think it's worth engaging the team to try to come up with some sort of a plan for onboarding, even if it's just what do you guys think is the most important things for these for the, for someone new coming in to learn? What mm-hmm. do we want to make sure that we get them exposed to so that they feel comfortable? And again, all of that stuff, number one, it is useful information to have and your team sees the practice differently than you do and they're closer to what the job is going to be than you are. But another big part of it is just to get them to think about what's involved in getting a new person up to speed so that when the person shows up, hopefully they'll have a little bit more patience because Mm -hmm. they will be a little bit more familiar. They will have thought about what all this person is trying to take in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And I think I think for me, the the last big part, other than getting them involved and having them really share what they would have wanted to have in, in an onboarding process um, goes back to what the first, the first line of the email we got, which was we should be excited to add to our talented team. Yes. And so for me, bringing in a new person to the team is an incredible opportunity to create excitement, both within the practice and externally. And what I mean by that is we have an opportunity to celebrate the new person So um, whether that's, you know, decorating their desk when you get a new doctor and, you know, leaving them a little sign or note on their desk that says, you know, we're so excited to have you here or posting a Facebook post on day one about your new person, taking a picture with the endless COVID puppy that has just come in the door so that you can put it up there and say, hey, this is Nikki's first day. We're super excited to have her here. Here's some information about her because we want you to get to know her gives you an opportunity to celebrate those new things with the team and with your clients and feed off of that excited energy about that, that change presents itself. If, if your team is willing to be positive about change and on the flip side of that, 
celebrating the new also gives you an opportunity to celebrate the old. Yeah. So use it as an excuse to introduce the new person to the people on your team. Um, you know, playing playing some games together at a team meeting, getting to break the ice. You guys have been together for five years, but there's still things about each other that you probably don't know. And so taking an opportunity to share those fun things and do it in a way, especially if you can gamify it and get get their involvement. But play, you know, play icebreakers like two truths and a lie, where the team gives two things about themselves that are true and tells one that's a lie and try and guess what is is the lie that's always something super easy super low stakes even yeah. your introverts can do it because you can you know you can do it where they write it down versus having to talk in front of everybody but you're celebrating you're celebrating the established people and you're getting them you're introducing them to the new person so now all of a sudden it isn't just about the new person having to fit with the rest of the team it's about the rest of the team looking at how can they fit around the new person as well. And it goes the same with introducing them to clients. You know, it becomes a great opportunity to say, you know, we've got some new people on our team. And so we're going to introduce you to them. And we also want to make sure you know about all of the faces that have been here forever. And so for the next week, we're going to, you know, feature a member of our team every day on our Facebook page or whatever that, whatever that looks like, but you can use it as an opportunity to celebrate both the new and the old within the practice. Yeah. I love it. I think that's, I think that's so important. It's, um, you know, the point is, um, I'm trying to figure out exactly how to say this. The point is not to make this new person feel like a million bucks. It's to make the team with the new person feel like a million bucks Mm -hmm. and that's a subtle difference but it's important difference absolutely Um, and and i've seen practices where the new person comes in and and management is so focused on the new person they actually get a uh a backlash effect yeah you know what i mean Mm -hmm. they actually get pushback from the team because they're like she's not so special you know (laughs) you know what i mean um yep and i i think that's I think that can be fixed with just generally some small tweaks and changes. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of it goes back to what we started at the very beginning of getting the team to agree that there's a, a problem and there's a benefit to having new people to talk to them about what we as a group are looking for and what's important to mm-hmm. us as a group um, to talk about how what is the most important thing that we can do to bring this person in to be one of us. And, yep. and I'm emphasizing that language for a reason because that is that is how I want to frame this. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I think you're exactly right. I think a new hire should be a celebration of team mm-hmm. as much uh, more so than a celebration of new person. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Cool. I, I, I love it. And there's so many, I mean, there's so many low stakes things that you can do. And it's hard with COVID, right? Cause a lot of us can't go out. Like normally I would say, Hey, when you have a new person join your team, go out for a team dinner and have a drink after work yeah. and um, hang out together we can't do those things, right? A lot of us are still not having staff meetings because we can't all be in the same space at the same time. So we do have to think a little bit outside of the box. And I recognize that, but there are so many low stakes things that you can do to get the team involved and, um, and also introduce them to 
uh, introduce them to the new person in a way. I, I love that you, you said that Andy, because introduce them in a way where it doesn't feel like the spotlight is on the new person and the rest of the team is being ignored because it's about why is this team, a team of rock stars and why are we so excited to add someone to that team? I feel like I'm doing a lot of sports metaphors right now and I don't exactly know why, but, <laughs> but imagine, imagine like the NBA draft or the NFL draft when they have these new people coming out of college and they're going to the professional sports teams. Right. And so they mm-hmm. call the person's name and the person waves to the, you know, to the reporters and goes up on the stage and they don't just talk to the person on the stage. They give the person the Jersey of the team right. and put the hat with the team logo on their head. And it is as much a celebration of the team as it is the individual. You know what I mean? It's not like, we're so lucky to have this person. We're like, you have been selected to join the Golden State Warriors. You know what I mean? And and it's just, it's as much love and 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 sunny spotlight on the Golden State Warriors as it is on the person who's joining the team. And I, I feel like that's a great culture analogy of what we're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that is, that's so great. And those little things are things that I um have, have used in the practice that makes such a difference, like being able to have a new person start and walk in the door. And for me to be able to say, here's your hospital jacket Mm because the rest of us all have them. And on day one, I want you to be included. And so you're going to, you're going to get one. And so I keep a back stock of all the sizes. So no matter what I can say day one, here you go. Here's your, here's your jacket. You're going to fit in and look like the rest of us um, who are all wearing, you know, logoed scrubs or our jackets. Um, Those small things matter. It's something simple like, you know, having their name tag ahead of time so that they can get a name tag on day one and everybody's wearing the same name tags and they don't feel like the awkward person who's on the outside because they're the only ones who don't have a name tag or, you know, like for your doctors being prepared. And I've certainly missed the mark on this one um, with new doctors, but like something as simple as being able to have their business cards when they start, you know, on day one or within their first week, those are little, little things things, but they make such a big difference, both to the individual in terms of hearing the message that we are excited for you to be here and we want you to be a part of this team. And also for the rest of the team to say, we are excited about adding this person to the group and therefore we want to assimilate them into our culture. Um, Yes, we want there to be diversity, but we also want them to feel included yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's fantastic. Just, I mean, think about it from the perspective of the new person coming in too. Like, I don't want them to feel awkward. Yeah. And I think, I think the best analogy for this is being a host or hostess at a, you know, at a, at a party or at a dinner and you've got some, you have one person coming who does not know all of your other friends. Like, what would you do? Um, ideally, you would have uh, thoughts about who you're going to introduce them to, who's going to, you know, who's the social butterfly who can connect Mm -hmm. them to other people. It's having a plan for something to do where it's like, okay, I, everyone's going to know each other except for this one person. Well, let's have an activity, you know, Uh, let's have something that we do that takes that awkwardness away. And when I say an activity, yes, we are uh, coming into the spring, which means before (laughs) long, uh, 
staff cookouts uh, right. are a thing we can do. We can, mm-hmm. you know, we can do them on the weekend. We can do them just after lunch and grill out some dinner. And it's a purely optional thing. But hey, guys, we're going to, uh, on Thursday, I'm lighting the grill and I'm going to have, you know, individual potato chip bags and, you know, and burgers yeah. and dogs and veggie burgers. And, you know, and we're, I'd love for you guys, if you can hang out for just 10 minutes at the end of the day, have some dinner and not talk about vet medicine. Like that would right. be amazing, you know? Yeah. Um, that stuff, that stuff is all coming. But I'm also talking about having a plan for work stuff where you say, great, on their first day, she's going to get here and this is where she's going to go and this is who yep. she's going to be paired with and just get her moving so she's not standing there feeling awkward and useless and nervous. It's amazing how quickly, uh, how quickly we can make someone comfortable if we give them something to focus on and so give them something to focus on. It's so funny because I am very extroverted, um, as some of you might be able to tell. Um, but <laughs> so I am, I'm probably the opposite of this team because it seems like they're, they're more quiet and introverted. But when I started at my very first practice and I did my onboarding, I, I knew the practice owners cause they were our family bet. Um, so I immediately felt comfortable with them. Um, but I came in and the first week I spent almost eight hours every day for the first like three, three to five days in an exam room with a TV, watching training videos, learning how to use AFMARC and learning, <laughs> learning how to uh, do training stuff. And it was me by myself in a room for eight hours. And it was awful. Yeah, that's terrible. I was I was trapped in a room. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I also didn't get to know anybody. I felt like I walked in the front door and they were like, oh, okay, go, you know, go hang out, get, get through your, get through your videos. And it was funny because um, I love the very first clinic I worked at. That was probably one of the hardest things because it didn't give me a very good introduction. And it was probably one of the things that I tried to advocate for change first and mm-hmm. foremost once I moved into a leadership position. But um, but it was it's amazing how many of us look at the busyness of our practice and for, for to their credit, they were like, look, we can we can use this these resource materials to train you better than having you try and sit and learn from Debbie while she's trying to answer the front desk and help the clients who are walking in the door and all of those things because it can be uninterrupted. And so that part makes sense. But it's amazing how many of us look at the onboarding process and are like, great, we're going to stick you in a room or in front of a computer. and We're going to have you do all of these things by yourself. And yeah. so that is a huge important part of the onboarding process. But I would really encourage everybody to think about how do you flip that script on its head so that in the first week, the new team member has the most exposure to as many members of your team as possible. And so having them observe in the treatment room for half a day, having them walk through surgery, start to finish with people, um, you know, for, for a morning or for an afternoon, having them sit at the front desk, even if they're, you know, a technician, just so they can get to know people because you do have the opportunity for small talk and you have the opportunity for chit chat when you are in, um, a smaller, a smaller group and sticking them in a room and having them learn how to use Avmark is super, super important. 
doesn't have to happen on day one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I, it makes me think of how we do uncharted virtual events, for example, because we, we do a lot of weird stuff uh, on our virtual events <laughs> and we have a, we use all the features to do a lot right. of things. It is super interactive and we, uh, we really lean into that. Uh, when we started, we very much were tempted to be like, all right, we're going to take the first two hours of the event and teach you guys how to do all the technical things that you're going to want to do to really enjoy these coming days with us. Yeah. And we very quickly figured out that we are better off splitting this thing up into bite-sized pieces, you know, give them some training and then do something that's engaging, interesting, use that training and then later on, we'll circle back and we'll do some more training, you know, and, and just yep. just break it apart and integrate it into other things that are engaging, that get them working together and stuff like that. And, you know, we get there. It takes three times longer, but they're fully connect. Like it's three times longer to accomplish all the technical training, but right. they're enjoying the whole thing and yes. they're getting the connections and the support and the other education they came for at the same time. So it doesn't yes. feel like the forced march of, hey, sit in this room by yourself and learn these technical things. Mm -mm. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Cool, man. Well, thanks for talking through this with me. Yeah. This is a this is a good one. I hope that for our writer that uh, this gives you guys some suggestions, and I hope that you can get your team bought in and excited because it sounds like they have a team of rock stars, and they should be excited about adding to the team. And it sounds like their leadership has the right frame of mind, and it's just getting the buy in from from the rest of the team on it and coming up with a good plan. Yeah, cool. All right, guys. Take it easy. Have a great week, you guys. We will see you next week. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope that you're like, I feel the need to write a good, honest review of this podcast on iTunes. That is the emotion that I hope uh, was stirred up in you by this episode. Please do. Uh, please do whatever you feel to, to help people find a podcast. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And, um, and other than that, guys, um, if you have a question... For me and Stephanie Goss, shoot us an email. The email is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. And we would love to take a crack at it for you. Gang, until we talk again, take care. Be well. See you soon. Bye.